So a quick disclaimer before we get into this one. Spoilers. I guess this is spoilers. They're all spoilers. It's... Our, we should actually name, rename ourselves spoilers. Just spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say something about how there's a couple suicide scenes in the movie, but this is definitely more important. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch all the movies in our movie library in semi-alphabetical order. It's just alphabetical order. Oh, you know what? I'm... A to Z. A to Z. A to popular electronic musician Z. What's he been doing lately? Nothing. Nothing? That I know of. He did, he did that one like song with LaRue that I think you liked a lot, right? What? He did a song with LaRue. He did? One, I think he did. Are yes. you sure? I don't know. I'm, I don't think. I'm not actually sure. That would have been in, in around 2013, probably. 2012 or 2013. I remember because we listened to it on 10th Street. And 2012 slash 2013 was two or three years after the movie that we're discussing came out. That's my segue. Was it a good one? No. All right. Well, this week we're discussing... White man tries to live life despite grief. Inception! That, I mean, uh, we put a little bit of a content warning at the beginning of this one, but like seriously, there are like a couple of suicide scenes in this movie, so if that's something you don't want to watch, then don't watch this movie. We probably won't talk about them that much. Well, no, we'll talk about them a little bit. Because they're kind of important. One in particular is. Yeah. The other one's the not portray- really. The specific portrayal is pretty important. I think they're both pretty important. Um, we'll talk about them some. So, you know, maybe skip this episode if you don't want to hear about that. Or, you know, just keep listening. Yeah, stay here. I'm about to tear it up. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is going to be an interesting episode, I think. Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have loved this movie since the moment I saw it in theaters, and I think I saw it in theaters at least three times when it came out, which was a lot, a lot for back me. Then. Yeah, I was a, I was a. Uh, it, it came out a the child, summer between my junior and child. senior year of high school, <laughs> so this uh, this I watched. I think I took at least one date to see this movie, like. And they probably hated it. No, they liked no. it. <laughs> That was the only opinion at that point, that you had to like it, or else you were a dummy face. Yeah, it was It was a of... bad opinion. I will say, the first, time, the first time I saw this, Dad was like, that movie made me think too much. Sometimes when I go to the movies, I just want to have fun. That movie made me think too much. Which, no offense to my dad, that's kind of what he says whenever... I play him a movie that can but be construed as like slightly it intellectual. It doesn't make you think too much. It's the ultimate Nolan like bro mm, high five here for this movie. Well, I think you say that, but I don't think that people of a certain generation are necessarily as used to like a non-linear narrative like this one is or like But that it's kind pretty of like, linear it, or it's, circular. <laughs> it's more circular than anything. Well, that is by definition non-linear. <laughs> It's, no, and, and, but, a circle but also, is a line put together. But, but also, it's not necessarily a simple narrative because it is layered in there and the and the editing. Oh, no, okay. I will say <laughs> it has been 10 years, almost 10 years yeah, since this movie came out. Yeah, the 10 years is not helping. Uh, no, but 
I think because of that, we've gotten used to this kind of storytelling. I think this may have been like the first mainstream movie, not necessarily TV show. Uh. Because Lost was doing stuff kind of similar to this with like the nested narrative. Have you ever seen Run, Lola, Run? I'm, I'm <laughs> saying mainstream American blockbuster. Let's be clear. Because this, hmm. this made now so like much money when it came research. out. I need to watch Lola, well, Run, what? Lola, Run. Was it Brick came out before this? Brick came out before this, yes. Yeah? Brick is a linear not narrative. A is it? It's, it's not a blockbuster. It's an indie and it's completely linear. The thing that was weird about that was the dialogue being written like weird. a hard-boiled detective film. Speaking of... I would like to think that Nolan really liked Brick, and that's why some of the casting in this movie um, happens, because both Lucas but, Haas and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are in this movie. But who didn't do a good job in this movie? Who didn't do a good job in this movie? Joseph Gordon-Levitt! You, you're this crazy! This is by far his worst you acting job. You are crazy! No. Listen uh, up. Okay, Listen. I think if anything, the character is maybe a little thin. His and character this is... is flat as hell, and he just acts there to assist everyone else. No, he's... Okay, so he's the point man. He's the point man. He's the one who organizes everything. He does the research, but his and he lines takes are the lead. So flat. I she, I don't. When Ellen Page's character asks him about Mal, he's like, "Oh, so you've met Mrs. Cobb?" Uh, I actually, she was lovely. No, no inflection, nothing, just flat line. But like he's trying she, to play this like hard ass character, and it does not that, work. No, for him. it does work though. It does not once work. Once you for him. throw Eames into the mix, no, Eames and Arthur play off each other so well. No, they don't. Am I coming at this from an Arthur, from the point of view of someone who followed several Arthur Eames shippers on Tumblr in oh, like 2012? See, Maybe this is, makes it worse. Does it? This is worse. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. It's a stupid machine. It's like, not okay, a machine gun, everyone, it's a grenade launcher. Everyone took that sentence and popped it out and put it on different pictures well, and memes. No, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. It sounds like such a great line, it right? Is a, it is a great line in context. It's, it's, it's one of those classic... It's a great line, but it's like, the execution is so no, stupid. It, but you've got to understand what genre he's working in. Dream bigger this with is, my bigger gun. This is an action movie. When you get down to it, it is a heist and action movie uh, with sci-fi trappings. And I think that's, that's your issue like with it. it. Action films have gotten so good. <laughs> action films were already so good, no. but like, but like this, this is like the action one-liner, like "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker!" Like that was what the moment was supposed to be. Like it's the it's the thing that you say before you do the well, really I didn't cool feel thing, very and then you don't pay it. attention to the explosion. God, what? the cool guys don't look at explosions. What? Come on. <laughs> Oh, oh, we need more action God. movies. Hey, Britty, I know you're listening to this and you want to send us movies that we have to cover. Please send us cheesy action well, movies. Well, anything will be better than So this. that Bethany can start getting used to action movie conventions. Because we're going to cover some at some point. I want... I... God, I'm so disappointed right now. <laughs> my, the woman who I've chosen to love... <laughs> My wife, who I am married to and share a home, two dogs and two cats with. I guess not for much longer. Oh my god. This is hurting me physically. <laughs> god, I... And you know what the worst part is? When we get to Interstellar, it's gonna be even worse. You know, I think Interstellar actually might be better than this movie. Well, I can, you know... I guess we're doing... It, the we're Nolan doing tropes things, work better in We're doing things out of order here. That's what we're and, doing, is we're doing um, what didn't work first for you. I can go ahead and Memento, tell you... Memento? Excellent. Memento's fine. I loved Memento. Memento's fine. 
Memento, he hadn't necessarily refined his skill set as much yet. I will say, you were mentioning Dunkirk is better than this before when we were oh, talking. Oh, yeah. And and Dunkirk does that interesting nested time thing. Yeah. And ex- I think this is almost his, like, more... This this was like his, well, his, okay. his this was like his practice run for those later movies to prove that he could like work outside of a superhero genre film co- conventions in a massive blockbuster like that that's what this is this is the movie that he like t- to borrow terms from another really good film podcast this is his blank check film this is the movie that he made when he was like oh yeah Batman Begins was great mm. Dark Knight so he had Dark Knight was so successful so but this is the when he was like, okay, I want to make something crazy that may or may it's not... It's not crazy. Well, you've got to think about the concept at the time. You Ten you years see, ago isn't that long ago. Ten though. years ago was a while ago, though. The Marvel boom had only just started. Dark, the oh, Batman... Oh, God, and it failed hard at the beginning. This, so, like, this came out not before... Wise, but... This came out before even, like, Thor and Captain America. Like, the, the Marvel movies that were out before this were Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and I think The Incredible Hulk. Oh, no. Like... That's bad. The so Nolan was the standard for superhero movies at the time because what? he had made Batman Begins and Dark Knight at this point, and Dark Knight was on like on the edge of being a prestige film. Like yeah. the fact of the matter is, it won a posthumous Oscar for Heath Ledger, a performance that was absolutely well deserved. But he so he's coming off of all of this critical acclaim, and then he's making this, which I just I just want you to think about yourself as a studio exec. In 2008, when he was pitching this, maybe. Like, I want you... No, okay. 16-year-old student exec. Studio. (laughs) Okay, but, like, I want you to think about... No, student exec. So, like, it's not necessarily... He's like, it's an action movie, but not quite. Quite. It's a character drama, but not quite. It's a heist movie, except the heists, they take place in people's dreams. It's like... It sounds like something a high kid would pitch, you know? He probably was. Well, uh, not necessarily, though. Like, (laughs) it's... This was a he very... He and Leo were looking for some 21-year-olds. I'm just thinking that... No, that would have been Leo oh, and Lucas 18. Haas. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Luke and... We're not getting into that. Mm-mm. Um, Tobey Maguire would have been there, too. Anyway! Oh, no! If you... <sighs> I don't even want to use the word, but if you look up Leo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, Posse, I just highly recommend... I think there's a GQ article. That. I would recommend you read that article because it explains a lot of the ways that those actors kind of have terrible relationships with women and kind of informs the way that leo is oh boy. okay well. yikes um okay but my point is you're saying these things because inception is so anchored in the culture now like it is held up as this icon and you know what Maybe it's not perfect. I don't think it's perfect. There are a lot of things that I have problems with in here. I don't think that any of the characters beyond Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Cobb, are really that well sketched or explored. I mean, you get a little bit... Like, Saito just exists to kind of be like the bankroller, even though I Mm. love Kent Watanabe's performance. I really like Eames, too. Like, I think he's a lot of fun. Tom Hardy, really... Tom Hardy is so good in this movie. He's the best actor in this movie. Like, in... Like, acting in this movie. I would say that... I would say that Cillian Murphy has some great moments, too. Yeah, yeah. He was also really And I think Ellen Page... Well, she did... She did great. She was good... I liked her character, if only for the interesting fact that she was, like, an actual, like, 
one of the only two females in this movie. And and one of the women in this movie pretty much doesn't exist and is just a figment of Cobb's mind mm, the whole time. That's great. See, and that's the thing. That's the things that this movie gets wrong. And there are some moments where the score just a very abruptly switches in ways oh, that just don't, don't work for me. This score is just boring <sighs> as mess. It is it is a it is it's a the, true Hans Zimmer score. But more boring. There's no there's no like melodic line anywhere. It's well, just constant uh, Mombasa like, has a really good melodic line and I do really love the Dream is collapsing guitar line the yeah, you heard that right, everyone. He knows all of the names to these boring songs and, and can actually tell the difference between And time them. with those, like, big trombone swells at the end. Though, I just want to say... Could have used a French horn. We all know that Hans, Hans, Chris, I just I just want to talk to you for a second. You're basic. No, no, no I, need, I need to talk mm-hmm. to Hans and Chris. Can I talk to Hans and Chris for a second? I've got, I've got some criticism. So you can do either a German accent or an English accent here. We all know which one you're going to pick. No, you can. I'm not doing an accent. You're not going to be Hans no. or Chris? Oh, hello. This is Hans Zimmer. I was a disco producer. And now I do the film scores. But I don't do superhero scores anymore. That's not something I'm interested in anymore. So if it'll come out for my good friend, Christopher. Oh, hello. I'm Christopher Nolan. I'm here. I'm making movies where time doesn't work quite right. Just, you know... And that is my... Jesus, every movie has to have some kind of component of time getting messed up. Well, like, but, we can't make a regular But that's what timeline. he's interested in. I think you can, I think you can allow a filmmaker to explore something that he's It seems like he's hiding in. behind that to push intrigue into his movies, when you can clearly I, do that without doing that. But at the same time, I feel like when he messes with the timeline like that, it allows for some somewhat greater emotional impact. Just the scene what? in Dunkirk where it, even... the climax of Dunkirk when they all intersect, that is like that's up there with like Parasite in terms of like tension in movies. Like when like when the oil when the uh, oil spill is about to explode after they've been fired on by the Germans and you know um, and Ferrier is flying over trying to take trying to get rid of the Luftwaffe planes that are about to strafe the beach. Like when they all intersect like that, it's like a slow ratcheting of the tension. And I will say, that's something that he doesn't quite achieve in this one. No, where is the tension in this movie? Oh no, there's plenty of tension, but where? he cuts... The editing cuts it a little. I don't think we needed as many... Um, and this is something that's been a criticism of since I saw it in the theater. I don't think we needed as many shots of the van falling as there were. I thought they were hilarious, God. but not in, a, not in a way that benefited the movie. Do you know what actually wakes you up when you're like asleep and you feel that kind of like... Like you're falling off a waterfall thing? Yeah, exactly. It's a muscle spasm. It's a muscle spasm. So really they should be in there poking them with like electrical like torches. Well, it's a ref- <laughs> it's a reflexive muscle spasm where you're trying to like reach up and grab something. Yeah, because you, th- you think you're falling out of a tree. Oh, we haven't even gotten to the part where this is arguably uh, stolen from a Beagle Boys plot in the old Donald Duck what? comics, right? You, you didn't know about no, this? No, there, uh, there is a Beagle, there is a plot in the old Donald Duck comics where the Beagle Boys uh, do a... the ju- Beagle Boys? The Beagle Boys? You don't remember the Beagle no. Boys from DuckTales? Like the original DuckTales and the new DuckTales. Yeah, um, I the Beagle Boys... Get DuckTales- Mixed up with Tailspin, so you're going to have to elaborate. Okay, so Tailspin, Jungle Book. Yes. No, I know, I know. Scrooge McDuck. Because the planes are involved in both of them, the characters get to intermingle in in my brain. Here in Duckburg. 
Okay, well, anyway. Okay, the Beagle Boys uh-huh. are, they're the gang they that's... dogs? Yeah, they are dogs. They're okay. the gang that's always trying to steal Scrooge McDuck's money. They're not in the new one. They are. There was an oh, episode, really? yeah. We'll go back on Disney Plus and watch it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there, there is one comic issue where the Be- Beagle Boys use a machine to break into Scrooge McDuck's dreams so that they can figure out how to get into his vault. Shut up! I'm not, I can I can that look is this so incredible. I can look this up right now. Beagle Boys Inception. That is the best thing you've ever told me. Look at this. See? Uncle Scrooge, the dream of a lifetime. There's all the Beagle Boys. They're hooked up to Donald, they're hooked up to Scrooge, and they're sticking up Donald <laughs> and Scrooge in their dreams. Now, oh, Nolan, Nolan may have read this comic as a child and subconsciously remembered it. I would I would keep the argument that... That's he, what we're going with. That's canon. He probably That's how this works. did. But I just want to say, I think, besides the fact that I think there needed to be more static characters than just Cobb, and that Maul... The, the entire Maul thing is kind of... It's iffy. It's, it, it's interesting when you realize... When you find it finally makes sense, it's like he says, "Yeah, she's my subconscious prote- projection." But they finally drive it home. It's like, no, she's a representation of something that he believes. She's a representation of an argument that he's been having with himself for years, since possibly before she died, when they were stuck down there. Yeah. Like, and I think it does a pretty good job of explaining a lot of con- concepts. Like, it's a very high concept film. We would argue that. Like, it's like. You have to accept the reality, hey, we can enter into people's dreams and play in them. To, like, even let this movie, like, get off the ground. But I think he does a good job of establishing those concepts and demonstrating how they work. Yeah, I like but the he, whole tutorial part. Yeah. Where they're... It's, it's, it's an exposition dump, but it's a good exposition dump. This is something that no, I hate. No, that part was This is something that I hate like, when cool. people complain about exposition dumps. It's like, they're so inorganic. It's like, you need to have exposition to be able to tell a story. And I feel like Ariadne, as the viewer surrogate, works really well. because I mean, it worked really well for me because back at the time, when we didn't know anything about anything, I had a crush on Ellen Page at the time, so that was part of why I was seeing this movie. Well, she didn't want anyone to know anything. Yes, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah, but um, I really liked it because it was this young character who I, in my mind, I was close enough in age to that it was like, you can kind of see yourself in that character as someone who's like being introduced into the movie, like a young creative college student who's, you know, very bright. I was at the end of high school. It was before my dreams oh, got crushed by yeah, undergrad. Yeah, you had dreams and stuff. That's yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> um, I think, I think she's a great character. I also just love that her character name is Ariadne. I don't. You, it, do, do you not? Everyone's names are such a like. Well, it you see because this is on the edge they of. They have like, to be unique and weird. I don't think it has to. I think it will. It does because it adds to the dreamlike quality of the movie. Because that's the point, is the things that happen in the movie itself, even outside of the dream space, are supposed to feel dreamlike. They're supposed to make us question, is this actually happening? Like when Saito shows up in the middle of the foot chase in Mombasa, like when he opens the door and knocks the guy out and then moves, like, super fluidly. Ken Watanabe, great physical actor. Like, uh, moves super fluidly and is able to just save Cobb. Like, Eames even comments on it. He's like, this is how you lose a tail? He was like, no, I picked up another one. Like, doesn't it just feel too coincidental? 
there's... See, okay, and here's what I think here's... everyone is mistaking here. Just because it was dialogue heavy doesn't make it a genius film. It wasn't that dialogue heavy. But it was. It was a bunch of, like, males talking to other males. <laughs> men in, talking like, to other men. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. In, like, semi, like... But that doesn't make it bad. I, think I don't know. I don't think it makes it good, though. You, you don't... So, what I'm hearing is that your argument is that it isn't quite coherent enough as a film. And no. That the, and, and that the characters all that. feel flat. Yes. I think, and you know I love character-driven media. You know, like, I love it to death. Like, I love, like, intimate character moments. Like, what we get in, like, a lot of the movies that I really like. I also do love a good plot, though. And this one feels... But what was the plot, though? Like... The plot was... Okay, okay, let's break it down. Okay. Man is exiled from the U.S., can't be with his family anymore. He has one skill, so he's forced to make... Like, he explains it to Michael Caine, basically. He's forced to use that skill to make his way in life and try and get back home using that. He is given the chance to do it by billionaire, Saito. And so, stealing from the heist trope, he has to assemble a team of people that can help him pull off, and this is a very action movie thing right here, one last job. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so That's, much. I think... I think that's your pro- I think your problem is with the tropes of the film because you yes. you feel that they're played. Right? What? You feel that they've been played out. Oh yeah. You to death. You see, that's what made like, this movie interesting to me though, is that it took those tropes and created something different. I I love I love science fiction and I think that the sci-fi element of this added like a necessary twist. And it allowed us to like explore those tropes in a new and dare I say it, postmodern way. I knew we were gonna get there at some point. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Christopher when Nolan. No, I don't really like postmodern. post-modern. So that might actually just explain it all. Well, he he explodes like the narrative. He he breaks it. He like takes the structure and then interrogates it to its smallest, most resonant. It's like, oh, God, it's a narrative really... within a narrative within a narrative. You know. <laughs> Okay, it's, uh, and here's and I guess that's the thing. I think we're really tired of the specific culture that came out of this yes. movie of the of of the Nolan fanboys who like don't really care about any other directors and only talk about like. If you twist something is, twice, you get back to the beginning. But the thing is, some of them, some of their points are right. He has really good practical. Like people talk about him flipping that eighteen wheeler in the Dark yeah. Knight for a reason. That that explosion of the Humvee that was on the snow tracks, that was great. And I loved all the snow stuff. Like, oh. And like, I'm pretty sure he actually dropped that van off that bridge. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could Google it. Like, it's, it's a beautifully shot movie. You have to at least admit that. The lighting is impeccable. The scene where Cobb is eating porridge at Saito's table, the way that he's lit, he looks like ragged. His eyes look almost all black and like half of his face is in shadow. I love that. Like, it shows that he's, like, at his wit's end. You know? It's just... But why is he eating porridge? That doesn't even make sense. Because Japanese people eat porridge. That's a thing. They do? Yeah. That's actually a a way traditionally uh, thought of as a really good way to finish a hot pot. Like, get the last of the dregs of the broth. It's just drop rice in and make a porridge. Wait, is porridge... Porridge is oats, isn't it? 
No. Is porridge rice? I'm pretty... I think... I don't think so. Okay, let's look up what porridge is. I just is. don't think so. I think it's like... Some kind of like bran oats thing. It's commonly eaten as... It can be any grain, baby. That's wild. Oat porridge is one of the most common <gasps> types. You're okay. right. You're right. But, yeah. Typic- any crushed if... or chopped starchy plants. Okay. Other grains used in porridge include rice, wheat, barley, corn, triticale, which I've never heard of, and buckwheat. Triticale? Triticale. I've heard of that. Oh. All right. Okay, we've... Um, come on, give me more criticisms of this movie. Mm, I don't see a point. Here's No, no, because here's one that I agree with. There aren't enough women. There aren't enough people of color. Yusuf is only there in, like, the first layer. Ooh. Exactly. The chemist. Yusuf the chemist. <gasps> yeah! Okay, but his... Okay. You like him. I like I him, I like too. the cat. There is not enough animals in this movie. <laughs> but also, what the heck was all that weird-looking liquid behind him? Because uh, no chemist would just... What do they mean by chemist? Like, is he just, like, some weird, like, off-brand, like, yes. magic-practicing person? He's a drug dealer. That's... But all those bottles were, like, hazy yellow. What has he got in those bottles? Well, there, that entire scene is intentionally imbued with an air of mysticism. But... Like, they all come here to share the dream. Because it's the only way they can dream anymore. It's like... Oh, God, it's so corny. Who are you to judge them? It is corny, it's but it's so like, corny. it plays into like very pulpy, very genre aspects. And God, I hate talking about elevating stuff because it doesn't need to be elevated. But this is, oh gosh, maybe that's the problem with this movie is it's a middle brow movie. It is literally, it's appealing to like your baser instincts and in like action movie stuff, but it's also trying to say something bigger about grief, about the process of letting go and about reality. So it's like swinging to both ends of the crowd. And in your, and in your mind, well, no, I'm not going to speak for you. So, what do you think about that? No, no, no! Please tell me what's in my mind. I'm not I going to. God, no! I watched one Nolan movie and it turns me <laughs> into a mansplainer. mansplainer. Because they mansplain to Ellen Page's character about fifty times in this movie. Oh no! Yes. Oh Antimal. no! you're not real. You don't. Ma- it doesn't matter what you say. The thing is, she isn't real but it doesn't matter unless she is unless she is because it seems like a reflection of how he treated her in her last days and it's pretty awful it is pretty bleak i mean i agree that that's very bleak the entire idea is like we did grow old together it's a cop-out they don't explore it enough no they never show any evidence of them growing old yes they do yes they do do. well as much as anything in this movie can be considered evidence um there's the shot when he says she says, we were going to grow old together. And he says, but we did. And there's a shot of them as an old couple walking through their neighborhood, you know? She's just not fleshed out. And I, I get that that's probably the point. Is Yeah, because she's a half-remembered shade. <sighs> Everything is a half-remembered dream. Like, that's the thing. Nothing is fully fleshed out because you're not... You're. I keep saying you're supposed to. I'm not going to pretend that I'm Christopher Nolan. I'm not going to pretend that I know his intentions. Well, you already did. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm committing so many critical sins right now. I just think it's too much. It seems like he, like, vomited all his best ideas at the time on one paper and said, make it work. It's got way too much. And honestly... So you think it's overstuffed? I think it's overstuffed, and then it you couldn't connect things in a fluid motion. It doesn't have to be linear, but it wasn't... F- 
it wasn't quite fluid enough. You know what? I can argue for and against that. There are certain things, like, filmically, that, no, they weren't fluid. Like, when it, like... Filmically a word? Yes. <laughs> well, like, in the diage... The diegesis was not fluid. No, You know? Like, ugh. Pretend like our listeners at home didn't know what diegesis means. Well, I actually just used it wrong, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> but the score, I feel like, is a really good good uh, signifier of this. Like, the, the scene that I think of is when Arthur's in the chase on the stairs, and he, you know, does the paradox thing. And it, it instantly goes from the with, and then very bad fade to with a tempo change that doesn't even make sense. Drives me crazy every time I watch it. And then, you know, not to be a nitpicky film bro, but there are several points where it like, it seems to make errors with its own internal logic. You know, it contradicts oh, yes. itself. Where the whole thing where, oh, if you die in a dream, it doesn't matter. You just wake up. And then, oh, nope, we suddenly had too much sedation. If you die, you're dead, dead. Yeah, and then it's like, why why don't people just kill themselves when they get to limbo? Right. If, that's, if that fixes it, if that fully wakes you up, why don't you just kill yourself from the beginning? Which becomes a very similar problem in Interstellar. <laughs> No, it doesn't. In the whole library of time nonsense. But we'll get to that when we get to that. (sighs) Yeah, so... You would call this a soft science fiction movie. I would would say that Nolan pretends to know he knows something about physics and knows nothing about any other kind of science, like, even vaguely, (laughs) is my problem. Because you're messing with biology at this point. Well, I think the thing is, Nolan... He, he didn't know about it. He plays with science as he does that thing that a lot of like soft science fiction writers. He's more of an H.G. Wells than a Jules Byrne. He's more interested in using the trappings of science for commentary Boy. than he is for replicating them. Whereas Jules Verne was all about Jules Verne. everything that I make needs to actually be able to work in Could concept. Just have a podcast about Jules Verne. God, I was Jules entranced Verne by book club. Uh, Sixty thousand leagues under the sea. Twenty thousand. Well, times three. Times th- you read it three times. No, I no <laughs> not cannot commit to that. My favorite Jules Verne was always um, around the world in he eighty days. Stuff that became true. Well, and that's that's the goal, you know. As as a science fiction writer, you want to like come up with a technology that could one day be feasible. And like, I will say, I don't discriminate in my sci-fi. I like hard and soft sci-fi. So no, like, I'm a very you. You don't like H.G. Wells? I like, you don't like well, War of the Worlds? He's also very overrated. <laughs> very overrated. Okay. Though I do miss my Cthulhu plushie. That's <laughs> That's not H.G. Wells. That's H.P. Lovecraft. Anyway, now that we've talked about people that don't know science but wrote about science. <laughs> like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. You know what? Let's take a sci-fi break and let's just go get some food. After washing our hands while singing, I am not throwing away my shot. The chorus. Is that 20 seconds? The chorus. If you sing the chorus twice in a row, it's 20 seconds. Let's go get some popcorn. Let's go get some popcorn and disinfect the bucket first. Do you like the Dresden Files novels, tabletop role-playing games, improv, adventure, or butt jokes? If not, I don't know if we can help you. Hi there, this is Michael, the host and game master for Green Mountain Mysteries, a Dresden Files RPG actual play podcast. 
about four ersatz heroes fighting wizards and monsters in Burlington, Vermont. Come for the grand urban fantasy adventure full of diverse characters. Stay for the many butt jokes. Seriously, one of the players is playing a proctologist. It's just mwah, chef's kiss. You can listen to new episodes of Green Mountain Mysteries every Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network or wherever fine podcasts are sold. So, you know what we definitely can talk about with this movie, though, that we can all agree on? The Fashion Corner. Do you really not have thoughts on the fashion in this movie? Honestly? Oh my god. There's the one good dress. Yeah. And Ellen Page's outfit when she's a student. Yeah, and the very good suits on everyone. Yeah. Eames' colorful suit in Mombasa. Yeah, that one yes. is good. And also that winter tactical wear. No. With, oh, come on. That winter camouflage is great. The Okay, the aesthetic is great. Like... Tom Hardy cannot pull off a beanie. That beanie is Sorry. bad. That beanie is very bad. Why'd they give him the worst the only, beanie? Could the they only not give him a beanie that, that movie, fit his head? The only person in that movie that looked good in the beanie was... Ellen Page. Yes. And I think you would be hard-breast to find anyone who looks good in a beanie. I think it's a short girl talent, honestly. Yo, it absolutely is. Because you I look pretty good in a beanie. I think it adds height a little bit, maybe. Ooh. And I think the other problem is is that Tom Hardy wore it like all the way down on his head. I don't think it was his choice. Oh, you know what? No, I have one other person who looked good in a beanie. And it was DJ in The Last Jedi. Benicio Del Toro's character. What? Was There's someone wearing a beanie in The Last Jedi? Yeah, he wears that he wears like the Jughead style beanie, the code breaker. What? When they when he breaks I out don't of jail. I remember this. Yeah, he's like, What's your story, Roundy? Listen, don't join. Live free. I'm, I'm just going to do DJ for the rest of the episode. Okay. So, what else do you want to talk about about this movie? I think I'm done. Really? Yeah. I mean, cool. So you just tore down one of my favorite pieces of art. Yeah, yeah I told you. Throughout I the episode. I the episode. God, you see, I was really expecting you to react to this movie more positively than you did. We really? watched, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I was. You didn't see me when we were watching it. I mean, I made some comments. You made some comments, but I thought overall I was you would it think for it was the movie. <laughs> for Wait, the podcast. podcast. Oh no! But I don't know. This is maybe it's just because this is still like you have a even big nostalgic I'm, like plus two modifier on this movie. I don't think I do. I think you do. Oh. I think you really do. I mean, fair. This is one of those movies that, like, introduced me to the fact it was like, oh, there are truly, like, really great movies that are still being made right now. You know? And, like, I think we can acknowledge this movie did do good by kind of... It, it did a good thing for cinema in general. It, like... Raise the stakes of the idea that not everything has to be a constant franchise. Of course, the last decade doesn't necessarily play that out. But I think it's good that... I think that the position that Christopher Nolan occupies in our culture is both good and bad. I don't like the way that people only pay attention to him and rally around him. But I also think he's been doing really good work from his position like for the preservation of the actual medium of film. Like physical film versus digital. I think what he... The movies that he makes in their scale are like really pretty and really nice, even if 
there are too many men and not enough women too in many. them. He's, and he's never had a movie where there's more than a few female characters ever. Yeah. I, I can't name one that has more than a few. Did Dunkirk have any? No. Mm-mm. No. No named female characters in Dunkirk. Like, there were like a couple of nurses on the hospital ship, but they died. They didn't have any speaking parts. They spoke like once. One nurse spoke to Harry Styles, I think. Maybe not Harry. Maybe not Harry Styles, but the one who wasn't Harry Styles. There's only Harry Styles. There's Harry Styles, and then <laughs> there are two who aren't Harry Styles. There's the one who isn't Harry Styles, and then there's the one who's revealed to be a secret Frenchman. That's the way I think of them. I think of wow. them as Harry Styles, the one who isn't Harry Styles, and the secret Frenchman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the pilots, of course. I know the name of one of the pilots and not the other one. Everyone else, I know the name of them as an actor. So basically, like Mark Rylance, Brian Darcy. Basically, for Nolan to Kenneth Branagh become good in my eyes, he would have to make a female-centric movie. I would say that Interstellar is yeah, like because you've got. I mean, we're going to get into this later, but I think you've got great performances from, you know, Jessica Chastain and Anne Hathaway in that movie. And I think those are really good performances. And I think there's a great performance from Anne Hathaway in, and Marion Cotillard, to be fair, in Dark Knight Returns. Oh, I saw something really cool when um, we were when I, we when I was looking at Wikipedia. Yeah. That she I didn't know she was in that Edith she was in an Edith Piaf movie. Piaf. Piaf movie. Yeah, she played Edith she, Piaf. Yeah, yeah. Which is what's which fun. is funny because of the the only non Hans Zimmer song in this whole entire movie. Which he did turn into his own song by slowing it down for the sound from the horns sure bethany has a complicated relationship with this song because bethany and i have different philosophies Um, about wake up alarms it makes me angry when i hear it because this was my wake up alarm and now because i watched the movie again it is my wake up alarm because i get so little sleep during the week hearing alarms makes me so angry and this was my wake up alarm for years like at least for like the first year that we lived together, that was my default wake up alarm. And Bethany hates. But this was when I was trying to go to bar at like six a.m. every morning, so waking yeah, so up I was would... horrible. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? That was a time in your life. You went to bar at six a.m. Yep. No longer. No longer. You could go to kickboxing at six a.m. if no, you tried. Thank you. If they're open late enough, I'll. That's why I joined the other gym so I could. Oh wait. They don't listen to this. I don't the other so I can go at nighttime. Well, this has been this episode. Are you ready to rate? This has been. Yeah. Are you. What, is your phone going to help you rate? Or. Oh, my phone is going to help is me that rate. It's your rating device. It's also going are you to tell me. It's also going to tell me what movie is up next. Oh, so okay. that's okay. that's what I'm using it for. Well, right did you pre determine your rating and you have to pull no, it No, I haven't predetermined my rating. <laughs> oh, you want me to go first again, don't you? <laughs> no, I want you to go first what? because you're so openly critical. Of... Okay, so it's my turn. Yeah. I still You know what? I give this movie a 4. Oh my god, really? <laughs> Normally, I would give it like a 4.75, oh but like after our discussion and no- noticing the flaws in the movie, I give it a 4. Because it's still like. We watched this movie twice. I had to and fight like, for that 4. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much both times because this is a movie that I will 
become so engaged in. Okay, I have to say, I did actually make us do a second rewatch. Yes. Because it must be at some level intriguing enough for me to feel like I needed to fill in some gaps. So I'll admit that it is, while it's lengthy, it fills in every second of it. It wasn't just like panning shots of like nothingness. But I don't think we needed all of it. I think they could have easily taken out some things to add coherence and, and I, enjoyability. And I and I and I do agree that you could have cut some of it down. I think we didn't need three layers. I think the entire idea I mean, it's just serves to make Cobb this like super powerful guy almost. Ugh, which I think that is what I you, hate the most. Is this because he's a bad man? I think. Oh no! But he's not the lovable no, kind of you're, bad man. You're. Wait, are you talking about Cobb or are you talking Cobb. about Leo? That's the thing. I'm sure it's I colored think, my opinion. I of think it. your opinion of Leo as a person, not as an actor, is coloring your opinion of this. Which you know what? That's fair. You can't Sometimes necessarily you can't separate, separate the art it. from the artist. Sometimes I mean I can. that's that's why I haven't watched Midnight in Paris in years. You know? know. Yeah. Like. I love that movie. I love that movie too, but like I don't feel comfortable watching it anymore. We can't watch it for the podcast? I I don't know that I would want to watch no. Well, first of all, I don't even know where our copy is. Why do you have to be so honest? It's right <laughs> on our shelf, John. Don't you see it? <laughs> What's your rating? What's your rating? Break my heart right now. 2.97. Oh my god! You specifically <laughs> gave it a 2.97 just so you couldn't give it a 3! You are so mean to me! No, that was okay. A generous you're rating. giving you're giving you're giving this movie a D minus. That's it what you're It did not giving pass my class. You, you this, no, this movie is at least a 3.5. You can't god. tell me what my rating should be. I know, it's just Oh god, I'm descending into like my basest culture slob <laughs> culture snob form. This is you can chart my journey throughout this podcast. Like and my realizations about myself and about who I am and who That's I was. What media does, man. God. Film was a mistake. <laughs> well, what's up next week? The moving image is profane and I will not participate in it. This is the end of the podcast. No, it's I will not tell you what's up next week because that will involve so funny. me continuing to partake in the profanity of the moving image. Sure, sure. I only watch puppet shows now, live. Not even theater. Okay, what's the next movie? Men should not pretend to be things okay, they are not. Well, this has been a podcast. Pocket podcast. Pocket. Oh god, I'm so tired. <laughs> this has been a Pocket Podcast Network podcast. Wait, you didn't because I haven't been able to look it up. <laughs> it's another eye movie. It is certainly another eye movie. Okay. We've done I'm Inside Louis Davis. We've done I Love You, Man. We've done Inception. You're visualizing the shelf and you're failing to see the next movie. That's the problem. I know we're not you're, doing Interstellar next. Yeah, we're not, Interstellar is going to be last. Interstellar is going to be in May. So what else is there? You know, there are some other ones. God, this uh, is... This is why we had to do this podcast, if I'm being honest, because we don't remember all the movies we have on our but shelf. I'm seeing the shelf. See the shelf. Be the shelf. I Visualize can't see it. the shelf. Our next movie is it. Oh no. Oh yes. It's too scary times to watch it. It's too scary. Yeah, as if you're 
Well, there might be a secret bonus episode. Wait, didn't we do it for Halloween one year? No, we didn't do it for Halloween. What did we do before The Witch? We didn't. The Witch was our first Halloween special. Uh-uh. I thought we talked about doing it. You talked about it. We didn't get it around to it because you we were too busy with school. Okay, well, can we go to something not scary? Okay, would you like to watch It's Kind of a Funny Story instead? Yeah. Yeah. Teens. You... We love teens. Teens in mental hospitals oh, with Zach Galifianakis. No. Oh, no. There, there is not... I'm so sorry. Please tune back into the podcast <laughs> when COVID is over. <laughs> there is not a non emotionally impactful movie Take the coming time up to in go I. through the back catalog yeah absolutely in it. and hey um you know what if you want a good starter episode I, you know i can't recommend some of the episodes we've had with guests on here enough oh i thought you were gonna say at all like no we don't like our <laughs> no i i really feel like some of our strongest black panther black panther was a Ooh, good episode was... baby driver was a good episode Ooh. yeah uh birdman Birdman was a lot of fun as well. So like, what did we watch with? Oh, Get Out! Get, get out. out! That get one out is stellar. probably it's our longest episode, and I would say our best episode. Even if Bethany needed to talk more on that one, but we will have more guests soon. Yes, in fact, there should be a couple guests coming up before the end of the eyes. So keep an eye out for that. And you know what? There might be a special, uh, you know, pandemic-motivated bonus episode coming out very soon. So keep your ears open for that one. But don't stick your fingers anywhere on your face. Oh my god, I'm working <laughs> so hard on that right now. No, no, no. They've been all over the face. Oh, no, 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 no. Other shows on the Pocket Podcast Network include... Green Mountain Mysteries. Yeah, we've both been listening to that a lot lately. It's so much fun. Shout outs to them for like always promoing our podcast in their breaks. Like, they're great people. They make a great show. Listen okay, to right, it. Right, right, right. And now is a good time to get back into No Dice because they have a really great recap episode that helped me out a lot to like understand and what's going on. Their there. dice are not loaded, unlike Unlike J- Joseph Gordon Levitt. G- G- I wanna yes. call him JGL. Unlike Mr. Hit Record Joe. What? You don't know about Hit Record Joe? Anyway, okay. Well this... God, we'll talk about that off all mic. Right, all right. Anyway, until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Don't buy, buy any more DVDs. You did it right Okay, so Hit Record Joe is this thing that just this uh Nobody looks at it that way but you We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying it, I never saw the one Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket